Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me as always to discuss the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, the lefts, the rights, the the hokey pokies of women's cycling is my good friend Sarah. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) So it's crazy because we only, unfortunately, you were a little unwell last week. So we we spoke later in the week than we normally would. So it's only been like four days since we last caught up. And the crazy thing is, there's actually still so much stuff that's happened. I genuinely fear for for us sticking to our. Well, I always fear for us sticking to our 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 limit. Um, <laughs> I fear for you being able to say our our limit. Yeah, well, I think I said our 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 limit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it. I'm going to keep us to an hour. We're going to be good. We're going to be strong. We're going to not rant too much. That's a lie. Uh, we're going to talk about the positives, the negatives. Uh, there's been so much racing, though. Like, I was just, like, adding up things. We said this last week, and we're going to be saying this for a while, because every single week between now and Easter has got a major, major race on it. Oh, my God, isn't life wonderful? Um and as well as the somewhat disappointing, not for the racing, the racing was amazing, Stradi Bianchi, we also had the Track World Championships and some really, really interesting things in the news about cycling. So we've got a bit of cyclocross. Yeah, we've got a bit of cyclocross. We've got some electric motor joy. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It's, um, there's a whole bunch of cool stuff. There's some nice stories coming out of the US. Um, there's, there's a whole range of things. Where do you want to start, though? Would you like to continue with um track world championship and sort of wrap that up or or would we like yeah yeah okay no let's do Charlie bianchi first because Charlie bianchi i think is quite it's probably the biggest thing that we have to talk about this week i mean it was the launch of the women's world tour and it was interesting because the uci had bigged this up quite a lot the women's world tour you know it's going to be great it's going to change the landscape and so it was somewhat frustrating um let's we'll talk about the frustrations first and then we'll talk about the really good parts of it in the in terms of the racing and then we'll talk about you know what it means for the rest of the world tour because i am not 100 percent negative about it even though i am quite cross about the race mm, mm. yeah it's, so it's negative positive those... negative no yeah. negative future i think that works yeah well we'll give it a go i mean who knows i mean look to be fair i think this is the longest we've gone in a couple of episodes without one of us swearing i.e without me swearing so we're probably way ahead <laughs> of the game in terms of being positive <laughs> as it is so yeah so I found Stradi Bianchi slightly difficult to, 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 to cover, to, 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 to follow. I mean, it happens in the middle of the night with Dan. So, and I'd actually, I would have been really upset for you if you'd have stayed up for this one. Because there's no live streaming. And I understand, I totally understand why there's no live streaming. I'm not going to get upset about that too mm. much. I, I know that other people are very much upset about it. And I can completely empathise. I think I'm just like, like so ground down by cycling that I'm, you know. <laughs> well, as, as I've said in the past, I always appreciate um, people who are willing to make vocal to their, um, their displeasure at that sort of thing. Because I do genuinely believe that you know, continued and sustained demand for for things like yes. live streaming is an important facet. And I think it's important that it not just come from the same people all the time. So yes. yeah, more and new voices requesting that is is a good thing. Yes, yes. Um, and, and but yes, as you say, it, we are sort of also kind of used to it. So, you know, yeah. It, yeah. And I worry, I worry that I just go, yeah, it doesn't happen. So I'm really super happy that other people are. I'm not criticizing other people for for, mm. for for keeping on asking for us. I think they're right to. I just personally, yeah. I'm trying to focus on the positives, which was very hard. 
So, uh, Strade. Yeah, well... Here's why. It was, it's difficult anyway. We're in the hills outside of Siena, and a lot of it doesn't have mobile phone coverage. So... Where our usual traditional way of following races is on Twitter, and having been a professional live Twitter tweeter, <laughs> one of the things that's most interesting is that, like, when you get to the most interesting parts of the course and tons of attacks happen, that's when your signal drops out. Yeah, it's kind of like the Murphy's Law of live race tweeting is that just as just as something really important in the race happens, that two things instantly will happen. One. Race radio will stop telling you the names of whoever's in the break or whatever, um, and and the time gaps. And then two, um, as you say, your coverage will drop out, so you can't tweet anything anyway. Yeah, and it's I mean it's 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 natural because your coverage your coverage drops out because you're going to hilly sections, you which know, into hilly you know, bits. And and crazy enough, but cyclists love to attack in those sort of sections. I know it's, or. Or in the Aviva Women's Tour in sections which have really, really curvy lanes with very, very high hedges. So, you know, you can't actually see what's happening. So they're perfect places to attack because you can just get your out of sight, out of mind in like no time at all. So, yeah. So, but the, the Strade Bianchi makes it slightly more complicated because normally in a race where there's a men's and women's race on at the same time, you have a separate race radio. So if you're at Flesh I've been at Flesh Wallon, I've been at Omni Pet Noiseblad. This doesn't happen in any other race apart from Strade. But at Strade, they have one radio for both the men's and the women's race. It's... Um, okay... Yeah, and it must be, we were talking about this, like, that must be very hard when they say Rider 69's in trouble, right? Yeah, yeah. But it must be even more hard when they're saying things like Astana to the front of the peloton, uh, Orica Rider in trouble, uh, get back Lotto Sudal, you know, no, sorry, get back Lotto, get get, get your car yeah. back Lotto, you know, it's like, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And so they weren't, so our poor live tweeters, and they didn't really tweet that much information, so we were on a back foot anyway. But the other thing that was interesting is Strade Bianchi, the race, wasn't putting out many tweets at all. Like, like they, they were really good once the race had finished and before the race had started. But while the race was on, they didn't put any tweets at all. And the UCI Women's Cycling account put out five tweets during the entire of the race. Um, and the most – I mean, this is an accidental one because they um, they put this out in the end game of the race, in the race end game, while people were really frustrated, not knowing on. And it's obviously like a pre-timed one. By creating the UCI WWT, the UCI is providing all stakeholders the platform to invest in and contribute to the future of women's cycling. Oh, it just hurts you right in the social media expertise, doesn't it? Really does. Oh, oh, right right in the social media feels. So this is what, this is what Bridie replied. Imagine UCI Women's Cycling, how many stakeholders in a men's world tour there'd still be if they had to refresh media to follow Strade Bianchi. <laughs> like, you know, it's just inviting that kind of answer. Yeah. And then everyone's like, um, everyone's just like, yeah, but where we can't watch it, but no TV coverage. What? But you're, yeah, and other yeah. people are like, well, you're not broadcasting it, but at least you're live tweeting. And, and, somewhere, oh, wait. and somewhere there's a UCI social media manager going, we got really good engagement metrics. <laughs> <laughs> and just completely hiding the actual replies. <laughs> so, so it was frustrating. And, um, and it's, it's like you end up kind of being quite depressed about it because after the race, so last year with the World Cup, so the World Tour is, is an evolution of the World Cup, yeah? And last year, 
and for the last couple of years, the UCI has been providing daily clips, um, clips within a clip within 24 hours, a short highlights clip yeah. of the race. And then within a week, probably by Wednesday, usually by Wednesday or Thursday, they'd have a 26 minute package yeah. of the of the race. Well, now this isn't going to happen. This isn't happening anymore. What's going to happen is that 12 of the 15 races are going to be featured on an in cycle show. Yeah. So we go from so we get so basically the world tour is already starting off with like no so they've started off really 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 badly. Now part of this is it's unfortunate that it's Strade because Ronda van Drenthe next week for example can traditionally has shown itself live yeah. you know live streaming really really excellent twitter really excellent engagements like just fantastic you know yeah, yeah. and then trafair binder isn't live but it has wonderful social media tons of videos that the race puts out do you know what i mean it's like yeah, it's unfortunate yeah. that stride comes first but the uci shot well, themselves for somewhat it's, it's also i mean yeah i take your point but i think it goes beyond unfortunate like this is the thing that kind of shits me about this sort of stuff is that um it's not like the uci like this happened to them by surprise this was no. literally their plan and yeah. it's a plan that they announced last year and it's a plan that they announced they were going to announce over a year ago so it's it's not like they haven't had time to work out what the fuck to do well Part of their problem, I, I did a podcast yesterday with on Velocast with um, Stefan Wyman, who runs Matrix Cycling, and also Stephen Fry, who's the uh, manager of uh, M2, I think it is. Uh, like the actual agency. Stephen Fry. Like yeah, exactly. Everyone yeah, loves him, Stephen him. Fry. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, I had no uh, idea he was such a fan. Definitely it. Yeah, definitely okay, it. cool. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a miracle. Mm, mm. In between hosting, um, what is it, QI and stuff like that? Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, M2 Sports Management. Um, he's And he's an agent for riders. So we had a long chat about why this happened. And so I'm not going to rehash all of that, like where, you know, the, uh, the views of different people. But I'll put a link to the Velocast podcast in our part podcast post, prowomenscycling.com. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So... And so you end up with like, we ended up with like a half, there were clips, Rye Sports, Rye the host broadcaster is fantastic. They had a clip of the um, women's race just before the men's coverage started. And they had a half hour clip uh, of the women's race that they put out, you know, late, yeah. later that night. And because of the internet pirates, the the pirates who, 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 they, they, they ride Sail the waves. the internet seas. Sail the seas, sail the seas, tracking down this sort of thing and putting it up. Illegal, ah, Maharities. It's, it's they're, they're they're less pirates. They're more Robin Hood because they rob from the rich and give to the poor. <laughs> well, well, you cast them however you wish. Um, the the point being that that it became accessible to the rest of the world. Well, sort of, but 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 I am slightly pissed off that in twenty sixteen. I can't even imagine going to a sponsor and saying, hey, sponsor, check out this amazing race. Our team is fantastic. Hey, look, you can watch this half an hour clip on YouTube from a shonky stream that's clearly been ripped off <laughs> illegally. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Our team is fantastic. You should watch them. And then there was a five minute. And the problem was as well was that because there was a five minute clip, this five minute clip of the women before the men's race started, the the commentators on the English thing, which went up on oh, SBS, um, yeah. obviously weren't. Ex I mean, I don't understand this. They obviously weren't expecting to have to 
do women's cycling and they obviously knew nothing about it so they literally didn't know anything and so they're basically um dead airing you know oh, shit yeah, say and, about and this it was the worst dead airing i mean someone obviously found them the names of the writers and and they really had nothing to work on and and also to be fair to them it's an unfortunate thing of that particular highlights package that um, it does that thing of it, it shows you everyone rolling out at the start and then cuts to the three leaders on the final climb. And, you know, and in a five minute package, you've got a minute opener, a minute closer with an interview. So there's only three minutes of racing and literally two and a half minutes of that is the final three riders on the climb right at the end. And so there's no explanation of what's transpired in the race or how we got to this point or who's doing what tactics. And, and, and it was just a, you know, it was a disaster and it was partly the, the package, but it was also very significantly. And, and I say this with all due respect, but I've worked with professional sports broadcasters and you don't fucking roll into a men's event that immediately follows a women's event without out at least knowing the basics so that you can refer to it. Like you yeah. just, just don't. Yeah. And we'll come on to why that was important as well for the men's race, because the outcome of the women was really, really interesting for what the outcome of the men could be. Mm, mm. And so, you know, and, and there's going to be long gaps. There's going to be long pauses where nothing's happening and you're like literally watching the, you know, where you want something to say. Cycling coverage is very difficult. Men's cycling coverage is very difficult from that point of view because, you know, you are left with lots of lots of space to fill. So to me, just getting that snap, oh, snap what it's, happens, it's who like was in the women, beautiful... what happens Exactly. It's like a beautiful little course preview. You can go, oh, actually, this is the point where on the women, the major attack was launched and blah, 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 and away yeah. you go. You know, it's yeah, just another yeah. another talking point that a skilled commentator and a prepared commentator could naturally work into. Yeah. So it's yeah, so it's kind of like part of it's kind of like part of me feels for them a lot because they weren't prepared for it. But then part of me kind of feels no. like Dan it's has not that... zero sympathy. Zero. <laughs> Dan so... has Dan has negative sympathy. Former sports producing Dan has anger. So... <laughs> yeah, Dan because Dan used to work on TV and and produce live TV and be live TV, do live TV and stuff. He has feelings. <laughs> some, would even call them, stuff. some would even call them Phil Pinions. So. <laughs> he has Phil Pinions. Yeah. He is very, he's a very feely man. About <laughs> <television>. <laughs> and, and I'd like for them to feel how I feel about oh the feelings. Now you, and we have to be careful because we're going to, I'm going to talk about this when we talk about the track world championships, but it got, the Eurosport Track World Championships coverage got very creepy, so I'm going to really? be raiding back in down any creepiness because I don't want any more creepy. I don't, you know, I'm already kind of like having to had to brain bleach myself quite heavily on um, during that during it. So yeah, so let's talk about Australia Bianchi the race because it was glorious. It's such a beautiful race, isn't it? Well, and and sorry, last note, but I think that's the other part that really rubs salt in the wound of the the difficulties with the coverage is when you know that. You know, and like we said last week, we we know this race is is iconic. You know, even though it's young, because of a whole bunch of factors, and and so we knew it was going to be good, but it it just played out amazingly, and and it's just it just really oh god, you wish you could have seen more of it. Yeah, and it's it's I mean it's a tough race. Mm. It's like a really it's a like really 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 tough race because you're just like looking at it and going oh my god like like let's just pull up the um let's just pull up the percorso the course because it's just stunning. So you kind of have 120 120 kilometers and um 
seven gravel sections and these gravel sections aren't just flat like the first one's flat but the second one's descending on gravel yeah the third one's this kind of climbing and descending and when you see the photos they're these beautiful gravel roads that snake up hills you yeah. know and they're going yeah. down into dips and up into hills and so some are some are really steep climbs on gravel some are really steep descents on gravel like just just amazing and the first one's at 11 kilometers yeah, which I mean, as we all know from from uh, our long history of following women's cycling, is is unfortunate because women hate having to attack that early in the race. So. <laughs> yeah, and then the first climb, which is paved, is is like a five kilometer climb at roughly five roughly five percent. Yeah, and then they kind of hit. So then they kind of hit these amazing. They've hit, just hit all of these climbs and just said they've got like little punchy climbs. It's really difficult. And the last twenty kilometers. So these are the last twenty kilometers. Um, Next comes the penultimate sector of 2.4 kilometers on the climb before Colle Pinzuto with an inclination up to 15 kilometers. That's at um, that's at that's at about 100 kilometers. That's about 20 kilometers to go. After a few kilometers, the riders will face the last sector, 1.1 kilometers, which features a sequence of demanding descents followed by a very punchy climb, max 18%, that ends up the to- uh, ends up at the Tolfe. From here, only 12 kilometers set- separate the rider f- from the finish at the- in Piazza del Campo, uh, Siena, and that finish is um, that last kilometer is just beautiful it's like it's basically up it's basically uphill you have to kind of go through this you know it's a unesco world heritage site for artistic uh, uh, value outstanding artistic value the center sienna yeah. is stunning the little roads you're kind of the street that those climbs go up they're i know kind of it's, tar- a, it's a famously oh. ugly part of the world it's, <laughs> it's just, just i mean it, this is the thing is like it's like you say it's it's a hard race it's a beautiful race, but it's it's such a beautiful race that you can't help but sort of think, oh, this would be amazing to, you know, be with a couple of friends and ride along to, and have a picnic somewhere, you know, <laughs> while, yeah. while at the same time looking at it and going, fucking, I think I might hire a car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I might hire a car and have that picnic. Yeah, it's just just beautiful, and the countryside is beautiful, and the racing was beautiful. So they're kind of hitting it hard. They kind of hit. They kind of. They kind of hit it hard anyway. And there's they do that. You're like writing about it on Twitter because people are going, "Oh, the brakes aren't sticking." It's like, no, no, this is women's cycling, buddy. These are like brakes where you know where people are sending out they're breaking to try and get away. Mm. But if they don't get away, it's just an excuse to exhaust people and whittle down. Yeah, and it's just oh whittle it down and and also with races like this you know um and it, it, you know most of the classics have elements of this there's a lot of unpredictability so there you know a couple of crashes punctures people needing so, replacement bikes and stuff uh, yeah yeah so third so it kind of really kicked off around the 60 kilometer mark there've been various like people trying to attack and things but then at the six roughly 60 kilometers you had Nikki Harris um attacking now Nikki is a cyclocross rider, so of course mm. she'd be good on the gravel skills. And I've got to say, I'm I'm really impressed with Nikki Harris. Her first race of the season was um, was uh, Hargeland, where I think she was 21st or something. Her second yep. race, she was 15th. No, the first one was the Omloop. She's 21st in Omloop, like something like top uh, 15th or 13th or something in Hargeland, and sixth in Le Samin. Yeah, yeah. So when Nikki hit those, and they'd had like um, they'd had other pe- other riders other riders going out, and um. And so Nikki hit the gravel section. Rah! And you're like, shit, we've got this really long gravel section and a cyclocross rider on gravel. Hurrah for cyclocross skills. And she's actually quite good at classics too. That was fascinating. 
and you end up with Lucinda Brand chasing her and um Brand again is like so it's interesting looking at which riders have the psychocross skills because you know it's like riders like obviously Nikki Harris obviously Pauline Fran Prevost Landon Neff um who have Fran Prevost and Neff also have um psychocross skills. experience yeah yeah mountain bike mountain yeah. bike mad um, skills yes, yes. Um, Fran Prevost being the current mountain bike world champ and former, you know, she was she held the road mountain bike and cyclocross jer- world champs jerseys at the same time, like just wow, um, yeah. And so you end up, and then Lucinda Brand does a bit of cyclocross, Anna van der Brega does a bit of cyclocross. Obviously, Christina Majerus, who's the one of the bold super domestiques, is done a lot of cyclocross. So this is fascinating. So they're kind of taking it on. So Harris bombs it out there Lucinda Brand bombs it out there and you end up with like a group of a group of eight um and 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 you end up with these groups kind of chasing her and then building 40 riders left at 30 kilometers to go and um, there's this really interesting Armistead quote which was like people kept coming back to the group but the front of the race was always the same it was always the same riders working Mm. and then after so they end up with after the fifth of seven gravel stages which then that's so that's let's one two three four five so the fifth um fifth gravel stage has got like just before the 100 kilometer mark to go so roughly you know rough, at that point like roughly 22 kilometers yeah rabo do that rabo thing and they hit it with a anna van der Breger attacks and then when brad van der Breger attacks kasha neodoma attacks yeah yeah and when kasha goes uh, and when and that was cat catch and Lizzie Armitstead said, said I went with both attacks the move with Kasha stuck and then Emma Johansson made it across to us and you're like wow just wow and there's a there's an adorable little video interview with Claudia Lichtenberg um, Claudia who former former Claudia Hausler talking about how it's really hard to know which attacks to chase because she's in Lotto Sudal which is a very small team she can't chase yeah. all the attacks yeah but it's like. Lizzie, Lizzie, I went with both. <laughs> I just went with both. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and to, to be fair, when you're Lizzie and you've just shown everyone um, the week before um, that you're, you're not afraid of the rainbow curse, um, you're proudly wearing your jersey and you're in form even though it's the start of the season, um, you're probably right to go with both because basically no one's going to give you quarter at all. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah pro tip. Pro tip from me to you, Claudia, would be um, go with the one Emma goes with. <laughs> well, there's uh, Ele- Elena Cicchini said that she she learns about breaks by going with the one that Lucinda Brand went with. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. No, so so you end up with um, Cashnudo, and this is where the video kicks in. Now we can see video from from Rice Sport Two, which is on our site, ProWomenCycling.com. So you can kind of pretty much see a lot of this end game because you end up with. Um, you end up then with like Kashinia Doma and Lizzie Armistead who are doing all the work. And Emma Johansson, who's like completely upfront about this. I love Emma. I love her <laughs> honesty. I love her quotes afterwards. Cause I was like, Oh, is it bitchy for me to say things like that? And then I read the wiggle high five thing and, it's like, <laughs> and saw her interview. It's like, no, not at all. She's like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I just, I just sat on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, isn't that glorious? It's just glorious. And so behind them, there was a group of eight. And in the group of eight, we have um, uh, Emma Johansson's teammate, Elisa longo Borghini. So Emma's going, I can't work. I'm working for Emma, for Elisa. Cashin Yodoma's teammate, Anna van der Breggen. Mm. Lizzie Armitstead's teammate, Megan Guarnier. 
And you've got Annemiek van Vlerten from Orica, from, from, from Orica, and then you've got uh, Claudia Lichtenberg from Lotto Sudal, Lauren Kitchen from High Tech, uh, Lea Kirchman from Live Planter. And I think, I don't know if they're in the same group, but possibly for Anne Prevost from Rabo. Oh, from Rabo. Yep, okay. But I don't think that they were in, I think they might not have been in the might, same group. Might have been a little she further might have, back. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking at that going, that chase group is just fucked. Because <laughs> you know, you've got a group of eight or so, and out of that group of eight, yeah. three of them have got like, teammates like, up the road. Exactly. Like basically half the group is going to obstruct any chase you try to put together. Just amazing. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. Just wonderful. So um yeah, so you've got and, like and also genius position tactically for, for both the group and for the, the leaders because like you say, Emma can go, Oh no, I can't work because I've got a Lisa back there, you know, and and uh, like like just that whole dynamic of everyone being able to point to someone and sort of play that, yeah. it really opens it up for the mind games. Well there's this there's this great quote from Emma in the wiggle in the wiggle press release, press release game, I also knew that that I could, if I could if I would win from this group it would be a miracle <laughs> <laughs> so I just tried to sit on as much as I could and save myself and hopefully a smaller group would try to get across and then I could have a Lisa read maybe be able to race a bit more aggressively yeah yeah oh just uh, we just you've let... got to respect the honesty you just you do you have to respect that I love it. And the other thing is, is that it's very hard to beat Lizzie Armistead when she's on a fire and when the end... So out of this group of three, Cashinia Doma is the best climber, yeah, by far. Like the best. <laughs> she's a long climber, mountain goat type. However, she's the least experienced rider. She's very young. She's still under 23. And also it might be, you know, she might prefer a big long climb. Yeah. Lizzie Armistead is Lizzie Armistead and she's cycling on a wave of she's like on the crest of a wave of confidence she's got the rainbow jersey she's one on the noise blad she's just you know she's got the skills but she's got the belief in herself yeah, she's just yeah. she's got everything that you want and, it's, and it's, over the last sort of 24 months it's all really started to come together i mean she's always been a big talent but like she is she's that woman reaching the peak of her powers you know well not yeah maybe not even or maybe not even yeah yeah, no, yeah she's point. like that woman who's who's but the thing with Lizzie is you can piss her off, yeah? She's got quite a hot temper. And so the way to get her to get her is mind games. Is, is to sit on the back of a group of three and not work. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, I mean, yeah. it's great. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, so this is why I love Emma and that she's been quite honest about this. So, you know, you wouldn't back Emma to win in pure bike skills but you might back Emma to win in brains do you know what I mean yeah so yeah. it's like it's and so what did um so Armistead says um she said sorry I'm just trying to find just trying to find the quote because it's awesome she's just really funny so she said I so so Kasha worked really hard and I really worked really hard it was good in the final but it was it was good at blah 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 um she was a little bit concerned about how fresh Emma would be <laughs> <laughs> like she was just really so she's obviously really worried about it that Emma yeah. would just sit on them and win. So they kind of come to the end bit, the end game and the climb and and I saw some really interesting quotes, people talking about it could being quite critical about oh they weren't really trying because they slow they end up actually slowing down as they come into the climb. And yeah, do you want to yeah, talk well, about it? Because you've seen the video. Well there's that one bit where they're, you know, like they're they're coming up to a, a gentle left hand turn and they're pretty much track standing 
on this climb. Like it's it's not quite full stop track standing, but it's it's close. And it's basically cat and mousing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, big time, big time. And they're they're slow pedaling, and and you look and at, at sort of go, yeah, they're all looking around, and and your immediate thought is, how fucking close is the chase? Because they really can't do this for long. And and then you start to wonder, you know, is it because someone's feeling cooked, or are they just, you know, what's going on here? And anyway, just as they they sort of get round there, Kasha goes for it. And um and jumps out and and Lizzie's all over it. She's she's on the the chase pretty much straight away and stays with Kasha, but Emma starts to to struggle and that's where you see the relative climbing strengths of the the three, and um and it's a really really interesting one because the the um well like like you said you know lizzie's lizzie's got that kind of punching sort of climbing power and she can stick with kasha but she's not the pure climber that kasha is so you know you get this nice little bit of tension of will she be able to hold on or did kasha go too early and you know and i think you've got a great read on how that sort of tactically plays out too yeah, no, it's just fascinating. It's it's fascinating because it's just I, like if they'd have come into it and been going full gas on the climb, I think Kasha would have won it. Yeah, but well, I think the mind games that Lizzie is playing because Lizzie knows that she's got that punchy, explosive skills that I mean, Pat Kasha does too. But she's also you know she's taking a little bit of a risk because I don't know if you remember the Giro the other year where they ended on the Madonna de Gisalo climb, mm. and they kind of they kind of um, I think it's two years ago uh, they kind of went into the Madonna de Gisalo climb and it was and the, the the GC was going to come down between Mara Abbott who's an amazing climber and uh, and Mariana Voss. And basically, as soon as they get to the bottom slopes, Kasha just goes bang and up. And it was like, shit, and chasing. And <laughs> yeah. it's beautiful. And so, so, Kasha, so Kasha has this amazing thing. But Lizzie just backed herself. Yeah. yeah. You know? And Emma's playing these games because Emma's like, well, maybe if they play games too long, I can I can get them. And yeah, so it's like, so I kind of feel like if they'd have gone, in, if they'd have gone into that climb full gas at the bottom, I think Kasha would have won. I, I... But because of totally agree because i think as you say like cash has demonstrated she's got that initial punch and then can just sort of diesel it um you know whereas she kind of played into lizzie's hands a bit by by trying to sort of burst and then not actually being able to shake lizzie you know she put herself under real stress and kind of opened it up for lizzie to come over the top yeah, and it was beautiful, and it was just, and the, the only bit of live thing we got was Beth Dorea, who's the Canyon Stram, who's, uh, I think she's still swanning for Canyon Stram, or she might be on the management team or something, um, standing halfway up the climb, kind of periscoping it. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, oh my God, this season actor. So yeah, so Lizzie won, and um, she won by three seconds over Kasha, Johansson's just cooked like she's yeah. herself like I tried to hold on for as long as possible but once they went for it I was cooked so Johansson finishes in third finishes third 13 seconds behind um Longo Borghini obviously really good form it's such a shame that it was I mean it's a shame that it was Emma rather than Elisa that went into that final three because Longo Borghini finished at um 1.4 seconds Van der Breggen and Guarnier at 1.7 Annemiek van Vleuten at 1.13 Claudia Lichtenberg 1.17 Lauren Kitchen amazing Lauren Kitchen at mm. 1.21 with Leia Kirchman who's having a wonderful classic yeah, season yeah great, like, great congratulations Liv Planter yeah. uh, at the same time Fran Prevost finishing 11th at 
123 with Yolanda Neff. And then mm-hmm. lots of and then obviously there's lots and lots of other little riders who've kind of come in in the in the in the, in the middle to kind of, you know, lots of little little like ones and twos. Yeah. And then a and then Mayuru is bringing up a giant group 18th uh, three uh, a big group around 319. Oh no, a little group around 319. So yeah, so and then you've got like this giant, 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 giant gap, and then a whole load of riders fourteen minutes back. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And then somewhere behind them, you've got a semi-controversial bunch of riders who were pulled from the race. Yes. Now we do have. Yes. Now the, one of the reasons that it's a fourteen-minute gap is because um, there was fifteen riders were DQ'd, and the reason they were DQ'd was they'd they they'd been a crash. This race was absolutely full of crashes in the beginning. Like, um, and there's some really great riders. I I hope they're all okay. But you know, um, uh, for example, I really worry about um, you know, Romy Romy Casper yep. as a and and then Christabel Dobel Hickok looked really bad and was taken off in an ambulance, but apparently is okay. You know, there's lots and lots and lots of DNF riders and lots of crash yeah, riders. Yeah. But these. These 15 were somewhat controversial. I don't think it's controversial. They were DQ'd because they were like 100 metres off the back of the front group because they were chasing back after a, cra- after a crash. And they got to a level crossing, and the level crossing starts beeping, and a barrier starts coming down, and Bronzini just ducks under the barrier, and they just follow her. Yeah, and a whole bunch of them went. And and look, the truth is, if you've been following cycling for for a few years, you've almost inevitably seen that in some race. You know, the men have done it um, quite frequently and, and famously. Um, and it is always a bit controversial because it's that, that kind of thing that makes um, a race feel, you know, or, or, or perhaps makes a rider feel like the race is being taken out of their hands, as it were. You know, like this isn't this isn't their performance. This isn't the normal luck of racing. It's, it's a barrier. And particularly those first couple of seconds, because, you know, they, they always go down early. Like, you know, the barrier goes down a good five, ten seconds before the train comes by. Um, you know, so you might feel like you've got time to, to nick across. And I do understand when you're a highly competitive individual, that impulse. At the same time, the last thing I ever want to see or hear is about a rider being hit by a train. So <laughs> You see, I grew up with um, public safety films. I don't know if you have them in Australia. Where you're like, <laughs> yeah. where your sister. All our public safety films are about the wildlife. <laughs> yeah, our, our public safety films, they're kind of things where you would troop into the school hall when you're like eight years old and you sit down cross-legged on the floor to watch or on, or on, or on the like benches to watch the public safety film about how don't go with strangers. Like, I never really understood why not, but, you know, don't go with strangers who offer you sweets or want to show you puppies. Like, just don't, because they're creepy. And they're, and it's done so well that, like, you're like, shit, that's really creepy. I've no idea what the actual message is, but that's really creepy. I don't <laughs> want to do that. Um, don't fly your... <laughs> Vicky had a lot of... don't. I never had this one. Vicky had, don't fly your kites near electrical wires or you'll die. <laughs> well, we get... But we, get... But we had a lot of... Uh, but we all had a lot of, don't cross... Level, don't don't play on train lines. Don't cross level crossings, or you're going to like die hideously. Fair, fair enough. Whereas we get more. Be careful. This kind of snake eats fucking crocodiles. So... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess it's what you see more of. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in South East London and people I know who are roughly within a 10 year age gap of me 
I, I was talking to a friend and we all had we had exactly the same wording for about the River Thames when we were young because it's very polluted that if you even touch the water, you've got to go and get your stomach pumped. <laughs> right. Okay. And we're like, and we both said it like, shit, that's bizarre. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a dude who grew up mostly in America. And it's like, yeah. wow, you know, like like that that those public safety messages went in really well. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Whereas we have one about drop bears, which is look up, stay alive. So you know, <laughs> everyone everyone knows that. Fucking uh, drop bears. Oh, yeah. I really like the um Australian National Museum, a uh, wildlife museum, whatever it's called. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Page on drop bears. Really very good. informative. It's really yeah. good. Page there's, on drop So yeah. There's actually a really good Reddit thread about it too, so yeah. yeah, it's like if, basically if you're ever cycling in Australia, you've got to look out for the magpies, which means something different from magpies in England and drop bears. Yeah, yeah. And also drivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So oh, and, 15 riders. And also that's, snakes. That's... <laughs> Fuck. And Queenslanders. And um, kangaroos and uh, shit. And Australians. Um, yeah. Uh, so we have. So, yeah. So so 15 riders DQ'd. I, it's interesting because. Because the so Emma was technically the wrong wiggle to get into that final group, group right, of three, yeah. like technically, technically was the wrong wiggle. Um, if that had been Elisa, it, it could have been a very different outcome, and that's partly because Elisa, I think, you know, is is more of an is more of an attacking right, you know, would have, rather than I think Elisa generally in that situation wouldn't have sat on; she'd have tried to attack. Yeah, you know, yeah. which is and, and that's no criticism to Emma or Elisa. It's just it's just they're just different writers. No, well, but the it, other it's thing... just it's just the kind of thing that I mean, it literally changes the the dynamic, and and that's the whole yeah. point of it being a different person. The other thing that I can't help but wonder about specifically with Wiggle is if Bronzini hadn't hit that barrier and gone through and been DQ'd, you know, and and I say that specifically because I remember, you know, last year when she was road captaining sort of not for the first time, but, you know, sort of with with that really strong wiggle team, which they have again this year, e- even stronger, um, you know, taking that role of, of encouraging Elisa and other riders and, and helping them make decisions on the road. I don't, not... still, I don't think she'd have been there at the end, though. Well, maybe not, but you know. I feel I, like I, I feel like I feel. I mean, it's it's an amazing. And the thing is, is you can talk about this up and down. Like someone yeah. was saying, oh, and you're like, well, the thing is, is is at least Emma was the one who went with the break. This is what Emma's good at. Emma is so clever. The reason she has so many podium places. It's because Emma is very, very, very good at going with the brakes. Emma's, you know, we've said this before. I think we say this all the time, you know, um, you know, the brake, the casual brake, which is four rabos, four bowls, four wiggles, uh, you know, uh, Annemiek van Vleuten, Emma Johansson, yeah, you know, yeah. Bertrand Mackay. You know what I mean? Like, like there's that kind of thing that happens that, that, that isn't, yeah, exactly. that's part and, of and the storyline. It happens too frequently to be fluke. Yeah. Oh, God, it's because yeah. she's incredibly intelligent, yep. incredibly intel- race clever, so race clever. And, and I love it. I love watching her race. And I'm going to be sad when she retires. But, you know, this was like... I'm excited te- for when she starts DSing. I don't know what I think about Emma as a DS. No, neither do I, actually. I'm just kind of throwing the prediction out. So if it happens, I can say I told you so. So, Strade, so amazing race, like glorious race. And this is, again, like Lizzie winning in the rainbow jersey would have been a perfect storyline to talk about all throughout the men's race because, you know, if Lizzie can do it, can Sagan. Yeah, yeah. Because they're very, they're kind of similar. They're very, very, very different off the bike. But they're, they've got a kind of, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're quite, they're, they're riders who could win the same kind of races. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's interesting. Intr- I'm, I was interested. So, yeah, so Strade, we move on. So 
although it was shit coverage, it was shit coverage, and you know, it is what it is. What it seems to happen, so we've got less input from the UCI this year, yep. and so it's going to rely on races. Yeah, it's going to rely on races to do the race to do to do the race coverage. Which I mean, some people were saying, oh, but that's how it should be. You shouldn't rely on the UCI. And I say bullshit. I call bullshit on that. You know, just because they don't do it for the men doesn't mean that it's not good. It doesn't mean that it's good that they don't do it for the men's world tour either. Yeah. But so we're going into Ronda Van Drenta on Saturday, which will have traditionally. Um, it's not live coverage. It's it's on while the race is on, but it tends to be the last hour as live. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're watching, the, if you watch the video, um, just be careful, basically. Um, then we go into, uh, and then we have Drenta Acht on Sunday, which is in the same area. Then on the 20th, we've got Trofeo Alfredo Binder, which will have amazing, it won't be live, but it'll have fantastic uh, social media coverage from the race. Really yep, good yep. stuff about it. And there'll be really good, um, really good clips from Rye Sports um, afterwards. And again, it's always, you know, just exciting, dynamic racing. So. Oh, so beautiful. And in the same sort of area. I just, I mean, it's it's kind of sad that you don't go from Strade to Binder because that would be one hell oh. of a rider camp in between. Wouldn't that be but, just like a beautiful back-to-back too? Like that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Then we go to Hentwevelgem on the 27th. Now in the past, Hentwevelgem hasn't had much coverage at all. We, so we'll just cross our fingers. Just assume nothing. Assume mm. the worst, hope the best. Then we've got a new race, which is a 1.2, the Pajot Hills Classics, which is around um, around kind of, I think it's to the southeast of Brussels or maybe the southwest of Brussels. Should be gorgeous. And then the Ronde van Vlaanderen on the 4th, the 3rd of um, April, which will be the last 40K are being streamed live. Rochelle Gilmore's doing the commentary. I don't know whether we'll be able to see it without a... Without internet magic, but um, but internet you know. magic exists, um, you know. And Rochelle knows her onions uh, by, you know, she's she knows this, she mm, knows this mm. race. So that's and and so, by onions we mean women cyclists. Just, yeah, just so to be got, clear, yeah. So we've got like so in terms of the world tour, it's going to be if we just assume that the world tour is going to be a roller coaster in terms of some weeks having amazing coverage and wonderful, but the coverage that we get is going to be good if the race was doing it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. I mean, I take your point about wanting to, to be as positive as possible. And it's true. It's going to be good if it was already good. Like, like, you know, no one's, no one's significantly going backwards. Or anything. It's just well, the UCI is significantly going backwards. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, arguably that's the same direction they're always going. So you know, <laughs> well, it's like I just want to say this is why I'm upset about it. Like some people are like, oh well, you know, but it's like they're literally, um, they're literally going backwards from where we were. Like, yeah. Like we, yeah. Uh, we were going forwards. We 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 had. And I think that's what's disappointing is when we had those video clips, those highlight clips that are on the UCI website, that, again, that you can point sponsors to in a ways that you can't point them to like shonky, um, you yeah, know, dodgy. Yeah, to, to less than legitimate feeds. Robin um, Hood, Robin Hood and his merry men yeah. and, and have kind of have kind of ridden through the forest and made Marion's put it up on the YouTube for the for us, you know. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I think the other the other issue I sort of have with with the whole, you know, these races will be featured in a magazine program that we're already putting together anyway, is the the sense of again, it just feels like not a deprioritization, but like a, a de-emphasizing of of yeah. what they're trying or allegedly trying to do 
in women's cycling you know like it, it i guess essentially where i land on it is i feel like the the vision that was presented as part of the plan for the world tour was that women's cycling deserves recognition and, and media coverage in its own right and that's certainly what i personally believe and so it is disappointing to realize that the the vision as it's being realized appears to be um yeah we're just going to fit it in and around the other stuff that we really care about and actually have money for yeah yeah um Ironically, I've sat, found video. Thank you very much to Pro Cycling Stats, who pointed me to video from the three Israeli races. Oh, um, awesome! You may remember, dear listener, that we started off with the Arad Demona Arad, the first Israeli races, which was won by Shani Bloch ahead of Paz Bash and, and of both Israeli and Antri Christofferu of um, Cyprus. Um, the second, this, the um, the. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, sorry. Excuse me. While I while I while I lose my ability to speak. Uh, then we had that was the ITT. Then we had the Masada Arad, which was um, won by Anti Christofferu with Paz Bash second and Can- Pat and uh, Shani Bloch third. And then we had the Dead Sea to Scorpion Pass. Great name. Um, race road race is the last one, which was like super hilly, very beautiful. Uh, won by Anti Christofferu with Shani Block second, and Lisi Rist from Estonia in third. I have to admit that race sounds fucking cool. That's almost as good as an Australian race name. Ah, doesn't it though? Yeah, Dead Sea, Dead sea, Dead sea to, to Scorpion, Scorpion Pass. Pass. Yeah, yeah. You can just imagine it, can't you? Like, and and then the, and then it looks like it's all in kind of desert type landscapes, you know, kind of like empty desert landscapes. Mm, Dead Sea mm-hmm. to Scorpion Pass. Yeah, it was. I'm mean, nothing is as good as Mount Danger to Point Warning. Well, you know, hey, it's uh, it's a start but, though, and it, it, it's great that um, that there's some videos. So that's awesome. Yeah. So you know, in that kind of slightly ironic, we are going to be going through the year where we've, in general, we're going to have more video than we than we've ever had before this year. However, it's not necessarily going to be the most important. <laughs> it's not necessarily going to be the best or longest or or most yeah. video, but it will be more. <laughs> no, 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 we'll have more. We'll have more, more, more. It's yeah. just that you know. In general, we're basically looking at who was good last year with a bit of, you know, I mean, I'm not ever going to complain about Ronda Van Vlaanderen stepping up. That is fucking beautiful. And everyone has to watch it and, and tweet sports are continually, oh my God, sports, so this is the best thing ever. I love you. Thank you so much. Because, you know, that's going to be game changing. Like we've been asking for this for years and years and years and now we're getting it. You know, it's, yeah. But what we did get was we got tons and tons and tons and tons of footage from the uh, Trek World Championships. Yeah, well, hey, it helps when you're on a on a fixed track of you know <laughs> standard size, and I, you don't need was, you don't need lead and follow cars and helicopters and stuff. So it was fantastic. We could both watch it on in Britain on Eurosport and on BBC, and BBC had the glorious Claire Balding, who's this fantastic. Um, I tried to describe her earlier to to Dan, and um, she's like this 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 like national treasure type. Uh, to sports sports presenter so she had never done a track meet before and was basically playing complete track neophyte asking and she's a very good researcher she's very clever i'm sure she you know she basically seemed to have researched all the questions that a brand new newbie to track would have wanted to know and asked them to chris hoy and dame sarah story you know so it's great it's well you know fortunately she had people to ask who probably knew a thing or two about you know track. yeah yeah and when we left we'd left you last week talking about some of them um 
the team pursuits, obviously Great Britain didn't get to the final and neither did Aust- and then neither did Australia. Yeah, but it was so. one it was won by superstars Sarah Hammer, Kaylee Catlin, uh, Jennifer Valente and Chloe Diger, who people were saying it was the first time she'd been on a track and I just don't sorry, I don't what? believe that. I don't believe that you can do those amazing, swooping, beautiful to watch changeovers without a serious amount of practice. So, but apparently it was her first track competition. But yeah, apparently she's only been on the track like twice or something beforehand. I don't believe it. Yeah, but I, yeah. I find it reasonably slash totally impossible to believe that your your first track competition is world champs. No, I mean that does happen. There were quite a few people who. I mean, it does happen, and especially getting the team pursuit. And Chloe Digert is the girl who was the um, junior ITT and Road World Champion last year. Yeah, but 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 like World Champs is your first hit out, really? Apparently so. I mean, I, didn't, I, I haven't. Okay. Stuck. All right. Yeah. All right. Well. Hey. Um. So amazing USA, super fast. Like they're just unbelievable, mm. unbelievably fast. Um. Someone said that their old problem in Team Suit used to be it used to be Sarah Hammer dragging everyone else round, and now that they've got more people who, who, are, who are on her level, they're better. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Second were Canada, third were Great Britain, fourth were New Zealand, and fifth were Australia. Aussie have... I mean, they didn't really have... When I say they didn't have as good overall track meters... As, po- as normal what that normally means because they're basically getting golds every race <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a different level of expectation for for them at track yeah uh, exactly exactly yeah, it, yeah. Um, uh, but they it, so in the in the um time trial where you usually expect to see lots of aussies um it were they weren't racing they weren't racing as hard because it's like the 500 meters it's it's not an olympic event that was won by anastasia voinova of russia with lee Shea of hong kong and ellis lichley of of the netherlands and then in the sprints which you'd kind of expect you know, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. They had that really unfortunate thing of um, Anna Mears being drawn against Stephanie Morton in an early round. <laughs> Fuck. Mears got through, but both Mears and Christina Vogel in the um, semi-finals were knocked out by Chinese riders. So it was an all Chinese, all Chinese, all Chinese final. Um, won by Zhang Tianxi, won by Zhang Tianxi with Jun Hongling second, Christina Vogel third, and Anna Mears fourth. But you know, um, yeah, and I felt and then i felt especially bad for nettie edmondson because she Mm. was so the aussies the aussies team pursuit suffered because um poor mel hoskins is sick i think she's got um glandular fever or something so they don't have mel hoskins and poor nettie was clearly not on her game like like she came she she was looking much more like her sparkling self in the final final day but she was clearly not on her game and that's possibly not surprising because she was hit by a car two weeks ago and like hit by a car probably makes it sound a lot more mild than it was when you see the photos like we're talking about uh rear side door panel fucking bent in the front forks on the bike literally sheared off um you know like it was it was high speed impact fucking not a great not a great accident no, and, and although she wasn't hurt like physically, I think that one's body would take a little bit more than two weeks to shake off the shock. So, you know, mad congrats to Nettie, but you know, Nettie is the Omnium world champion, wasn't really able to kind of uh, go after her Omnium, um, you know, yeah. go after her Omnium world champs, which was, you know, hard for her. But, you know, our best love to Nettie because she's so, awesome. So, you know, arguably Australia had a, had a tough world champs or 
the best sandbag ever for the Olympics. Well, this is the thing. I mean, in the Omnium, Laura Trott won it um, by very, very, uh, you know, by a significant margin. And the way the Omnium works is, is I can't even explain it anymore. I used to be able to explain track races in a tweet, and now I just don't understand it myself. Like, thank you to Amelie Diedrichson's mum who explained the team pursuit to me on Twitter, because otherwise I wouldn't have got it. Um, but yeah, basically, you get your points from the first five rounds. And then in the points race, your points that you earn in the points race are added on to the the total that, you... that you've earned for the other events. Yeah, yeah. Well, which are like so in the other events, you know, you might get thirty-eight points for being first, thirty-six for second, or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the points race points are added on. Oh my god, it's complicated. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're added on unless it's the third Sunday of the second month of the new moon. In which case they're divided by seven and doubled. And then if you're standing on your left foot, they're added to your score. But if you're on your right foot, they're halved and one half is added to your score and the other half is taken off the third placed rider's score. It so. really, really, really feels like that. Yeah. Like you're like, it's just going, I don't get this. I yeah. don't get it. But um, yeah, but it was a really exciting race, like super exciting race. Um, bad luck. I mean, there's all sorts of favourites who'd kind of done really badly in the um, in, mm. in, in earlier rounds. So, you know, um, Kirsten Veald was 19th in the time trial. And Yolene Dora, who's who's amazing, was, was only 8th in the elimination, which you expect, you know, Yolene to be much better. Oh, the elimination yeah, is such yeah. a beautiful race. The elimination came down to Sarah Hammer, Laura Trott and Amelie Diedrichson. And you look at it and you go, right, well, Sarah Hammer is the old school winner. Like she was the Omnium. I think she won the first couple of Omniums or, or a couple of Omniums when it first came in. Laura Trott is like this young queen, you know, the defending Olympic champion and, and, you know, really, really, really on, really on form. And then Amelie Diedrichsen is 19 years old. Is this the future? You know, do you know yeah, what I mean? It was yeah. like, um, one by, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just really, really, you know, just really exciting. One by Sarah Hammer, but the overall Omnium won by Laura Trott. Well, there you go. And the last, and the last points order was the actual points race was won by Laurie Berton of France, who did some amazing racing in the end to kind of scamp to win the points race, but also scamper up and overtake Sarah Hammer by one point in the oh, overall wow. standings. Wow. Really, just like wow, this is fun. I really like this. It was a really good omnium to watch and really exciting. Um, yeah, and. Ooh. Other races, Kasia Pawlowska, Kasia Pawlowska of Poland, she won the point, the actual world champion points race, which was adorable because Kasia early on in the earlier on in the day had been cheering for Lizzie as her Bowles Dolman's teammate. Yeah. And cheering for Kasia Niedoma as her Polish national squad teammate. Yeah. So yep. it felt it just felt right to see her on the top of the podium as well. Oh well there you go. There you go. Bit of fun. So and amazing, you know, and yay, Bowls. Bowls are Super Saturday yet again. You know, last Saturday they had Ebby winning the, Ebby Stevens winning, getting the hour record, and Lizzie Armour said winning oh, Noise Blood. Mm. This Saturday they had Kasia, Kasia Pawlowska winning the Scratch World Championships as, as Lizzie won Charlie Bianchi. <laughs> exactly. So God knows what they're going to do next week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're really building up to their weekends, is what we're saying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, poor Jessie Braverman, who does the uh, does the live tweeting and does the PR. She just must be like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, they never stop. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and massive thanks to Jessie's tweets for, from from Australia Bianchi because they were fantastic. She's really exceptionally good um, live tweeter. She does lots and lots of context, lots you know, lots of research. I think she I think she has lots of tweets that she keys up beforehand to kind of go in. You know, this is what the race is going to be like. This is who's exciting, and she's just very, very, very good at it. So you know, big nice. thanks. Big thanks to Jesse. Um, yeah, um, I bet you bet you're wishing your team's not winning so much now. <laughs> <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <sighs> hey, uh, now that now that we've covered off the the basics of the racing, oh, no. Can I just? Yeah. No, one more thing. Eurosport coverage. So I was watching on the BBC. One of the reasons I was watching on the BBC is because every time you turned over to ITV, there'd be Carlton Kirby and Tony Gibb. Making some really fucking creepy comments about the women, like, 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 you know, like when like fifteen-year-old boys are talking about sex, but they think no one else can tell they're talking about sex because they're talking in really clever code. Um, no, that's never happened to me. Um, <laughs> maybe thirteen. Never maybe thirteen-year-old. Thirteen-year-old boy and anyone who says otherwise is a liar. <laughs> but you know, you know, you know that kind of like yeah, yeah, that, that sort of juvenile. You know, some buttheads. Like, yeah. like, so when they're kind of like making comments about, and it's that kind of thing where they think they've got plausible deniability that that no one can tell what they're talking about. So when they're talking about, oh, look at their legs trembling, snigger, snigger, when they're doing track stands, which they don't do when the men are doing track stands, only the women, and you can tell that they basically. They'd basically been deciding which rider they wanted to fat. You know, they were just making like obviously making little references to having talked about which ones they fancied and stuff to each other when they were off air, and it was just vile. So hey, hey, look, we're twenty sixteen. Let's not do that. Let's yeah. not do that. Anymore. Okay, so pause because last week I had to do this about someone on Twitter. Now thanks, I've got to do this about Eurosport commentators. But okay, time out, guys. If you're a Eurosport commentator, put your beer down. I'm going to say some shit that's going to shake you up a little bit. Fuck you and fuck <laughs> off. You don't get to do that. It's fucking 2016. These are professional athletes at the top of their game, best in the world at what they do, which apparently you're not because you can't do your fucking job without sounding like an ignorant, hormone-riddled child. Pull your head in. Fucking do your job properly and talk about the action on the track or on the road. Thank you. Love, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was um yeah. This is why, but this is why it's wonderful having the BBC on the other side and, and everyone who is going, oh Claire Balling, she's bumbling around, doesn't know anything. <laughs> I think she's wonderful. Which which of those approaches is going to have people who just casually turn on to watch some racing? Yeah. Which of those approaches is going to pull in new fans? And one one someone on well, Twitter and- I was talking to was saying that she couldn't watch it with her daughter because it felt too uncomfortable to be watching it with her, you know, yeah, to be, to be exactly. watching it with her daughter. Like which one? Which one? It also which one implicitly says we actually respect what's going on, you know, in front of us, as opposed to the other one that treats it like some kind of bizarre softcore fetish porn, you know, <laughs> like like honestly, that's fucking bullshit. That's oh yeah, Dan's got feel opinions about this too. <laughs> um, something else you might have feel opinions about. Did you see the news about <laughs> electric bike sales? <laughs> Shut up! I do, Since... have, I do have feel opinions about that. Yes, but they're they're different to what you might expect. Sorry, please. So electric bike sh- bike sales have shot up 
Sin- in the Netherlands, since Famke van der Driescher was caught with a motor in her bike at the under-23 Cyclocross World Championships. Um, the, a, a Dutch, um, a Dutch. I think it, I think it was the um, the NOS has just in someone's casually asked a load of but but of um, a telephone survey of by by a by a by like by, by like a Dutch NIS a, a Dutch bike industry thing have just said uh, yeah we've really gone up we're just selling them all week <laughs> yeah exactly we've gone from selling two a week to selling two a day. Yeah, well, and they're basically calling it the Femke effect. Yeah, like the so um, a European importer of of one system says since she was caught demand sorts in sword in the Netherlands alone we've 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 sold a couple of hundred where we at most sold a few dozen a year. Yeah, exactly, and and just this this whole thing of you know like they're talking about older cyclists who struggle to keep up with their buddies getting them and younger cyclists but with health issues you know it's like a man of twenty eight with heart problems can fit one and. And still keep up with his club and and shit like that. It's so yeah. My opinion on this is basically actually delighted surprise because uh, and it's it's I have to admit it's halo effect smugness. But I'm smug on your behalf because this is basically exactly what you said would happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did. I said. I said at the time that I thought Wheelia Tristina when they were like banging on about this is oh it's terrible it's terrible. Femke van der Driesche Wheelia Wheelia. And I was a bit surprised about why they were kind of making that link. And then someone points out that Wheelia have their own link sets of, of bike motors. Yeah. So anyway, point being, yeah. um, but, sales are up. So yay. <laughs> but also um, Bike Biz, um, who are a uh, national... Um, a, a, a bike industry uh, thing. They, they were very, they were very smug because they they suggested it, they suggested it too. So um, yeah, they they've kind of um, yeah. I think what's interesting there seems to be, and I'm relying on Google Translate, is it's also the idea that you can fit a motor into your standard bike rather than just buying an electrical bike has made people really yeah, happy yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. So it can it, it just fits into the seat tube and drives the crankshaft directly. So it can be retrofitted into your existing bike. Um, there's yeah. even there's even wireless control options. <laughs> so it's it's pretty advanced technology. Which um, it, no wonder the UCI are actually looking for these fucking things in races. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's 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 just fascinating. It's fascinating to me that this is like it's not, you know this is we're literally talking two months. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but it's also that kind of thing of, you know... Yeah, maybe one awareness, month, actually, yeah. You know, yeah. something that people probably, you know... I mean, I guess a lot of people who are close to cycling already knew, but there may be many other people who didn't know this sort of thing was possible. And, yeah, and, and that you don't have to have a shitty bike. I, yeah. mean, I don't mean shitty, you know, but you don't have to have a crappy bike to yeah. have a... To, but you can have a have have a, a boost if you need it and and from, i love it from a participation point of view in terms of cycling is you know for commuting or casual riding or or even as they describe in their couple of examples in the article you know social riding um i think it's fantastic anything that encourages people to actually get on a bike rather than not is is yeah. more than welcome in my opinion yeah yeah and in my city which is full of steep hills and also steep hills with that are narrow and quite scary to ride on you know someone who doesn't who could ride who could you know, even someone who could maybe ride that steep hill but they'd end up sweaty and panting and they'd arrive at their work meeting you know knackered or someone who 
who likes who wants to go out riding but maybe they're, they're they're less they're less fit and they want to get fitter and having a little bit of help on the hills means that they can go can go further and can yeah, do more yeah exactly. i'm really excited about it yeah. like as from a consumer from a consumer perspective absolutely absolutely no, that's that's actually. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's salvaging some good out of the whole thing. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey. yeah and it's gonna. Oh, sorry. Yes, and it's gonna. Yeah, I mean, of course, we still don't know what's going to happen to Famca. That yeah. case is still being um, um, look, you know, look, looked at. And of course, you know, I am not at all condoning cheating at all. I no, think you know, no. I feel like the best thing for Famca would be if she never came back. But it would just be ironic if you know, if Fam- if Famca's legacy is that more people get into writing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, um, I, I do have a question for you though. Um, you might be able to tell me. I just, I just need to know. It's been bothering me a little bit since we sort of spoke about these kind of issues last week. Um, do you know if black girls do bike? <laughs> no, there's amazing. There's an amazing organization called Black Girls Do Bike. They're fantastic. They're it's a, a American. Uh, organization to basically encourage um encourage women to get cycling and there's a lovely interview with monica garrison who set up black girls do bike on bicycling.com where it's like she's talking about you know what what it was that got her started you know starting it and and how um and just how how they you know what, what what their effect has been and they're wonderful i really really like them and if you want to support them you can uh you could go you can actually they, they sell loads of um they sell loads of really nice gear and things like that um, on their websites, and they're just they're just a really fun organisation. So I would recommend heading over there and having a look. Uh, I'm just looking for the absolutely because I'm a little bit wrong for blackgirlsdobike.com. Nice, nice. I particularly liked um, her couple of things, like um, her vision for what bicycle the bicycle movement in the US will look like in ten years. Um, was really nice and I thought this was a great find um, on your part given that we had just spoken last week about how um, you know when there's so often a, a, a very noticeable absence of diversity in in cycling coverage um, it's nice to find more so yeah yeah, yeah they're, 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 and they've got lots and lots of goodies and things you can buy to support them so you know and just follow them follow them on follow them on twitter follow them on instagram follow them on strava follow them on everything um they're lovely and if you're in the usa and a woman of color and want to get involved in cycling as well you know you can set up a local chapter in your area too or get involved in one that's there already absolutely um yeah i think that's well that's that's it that's almost it that's almost it last thing uh one last thing um so as as you may or may not know um a huge amount of work is done on a daily basis by my good friend sarah to uh bring all sorts of incredible women's cycling content your way and she has a patreon set up at (laughs) patreon.com slash women's cycling whereby you can make a small monthly contribution to help support her work and help keep all this information flowing. So if you are able and if you are willing, that would be a really, really cool thing to do. And it's guaranteed to, uh, you know, scientifically proven even to make you more attractive to the people of your preference. Uh, that's, that's, not to say, that's not to say that they will fall at your feet swooning. It's just that they will be more attracted than they were previously. 
yeah that's it thank you that's at www.patreon.com slash women's cycling and a huge thanks to people who basically fund me to to be able to not have to go out to work every day of the week and you're all this nonsense. you're all very to, very attractive people or more attractive than you were so yeah <laughs> that's, that's backhanded isn't it is um, though if you want to follow our uh, our site, we're prowomenscycling.com. I'll be putting all the links to how to watch all of the races coming up um, regularly there. Um, and you can hit up the RSS to get our, our podcast and all the interviews that I do. And you can talk to us on Twitter. I'm underscore pigeons underscore Dan is at Daniel... Fuck. <laughs> Dan W official. <laughs> Dan W official. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I... Carlton Kirby at me. I will fight you in real life about how shit your commentary is. <laughs> thanks. Um, thanks yeah. for listening, everyone. <laughs> I have to go prepare to fight a Eurosport commentator. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>